All right, everybody, we are back with another episode of Special Podcast. We like to dive into basketball every now and again. So lots happened. The Western Conference Finals are happening right now. NBA draft happened about 10 minutes ago. Got my good friend, frequent guest on the pod, on the website, Christopher Johnson. What's going on, buddy? Yo, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Um, this is a really exciting night for uh, NBA fans, um, as well as for uh, New Orleans Pelicans fans. Yeah, I know, and, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, really, really exciting, and probably a surprising night for many of those uh, folks down in, down in New Orleans. I know, right. So what's like your... So obviously, by the time everyone listens to this, the New Orleans Pelicans got the number one pick, Memphis Grizzlies, New York Knicks, Los Angeles Lakers. My biggest takeaway was that I wanted a dumpster fire. I wanted the Knicks to get the second pick, Lakers to get the first. I didn't care. I wanted it to be messy. Um, But I think, like you said, the fact that the Pelicans got the number one pick, that has implications for the league. I mean, that's huge. (laughs) It's it's huge. Um, (laughs) So it's interesting, right? Because the Pelicans were um, seen as this franchise that was um, placed in a position to have to trade their biggest uh, asset and player um, that they've had for you know much of their existence, that being Anthony Davis. Right. And they're not being, and with that, they're not being a clear. Um, I guess, like, viable options for them to see, like, a, a, a strong future. Right. Um, even after trading Anthony Davis for a pick or, or so. And um, so their future now is very, very bright. Now that they have Zion Williamson, um, who likely be the number one overall pick. Right. As well as they're in a position to fill trade offers from, I would say, teams like, like the Knicks, who are at the third spot. Yeah. Who may want to trade? Who may want to trade that third pick and a player for Anthony Davis, or even the Lakers right. at the fourth spot, who may not like um, who might be select, who could be available at the fourth spot, um, and maybe want to trade that pick for that pick any player for Anthony Davis as well. So, you know, after this night, not only are they in a position to um, restore their franchise by being in a position to take Dime Willis at number one. But maybe they could either try to lure Anthony Davis to stay, which seems unlikely, or flip Anthony Davis for a high pick and get a first pick and maybe a third or fourth um, overall pick in this draft, which could their future um, make the future very, very bright. So, exciting night for the world. Right. I mean, that's crazy. I think what you said, I think the the more, and I didn't even think about it like this, I was literally just texting another friend. And I just said, yeah. you know, there's there's no way the Pelicans are trading Davis now, right? Or at least during the off season, just because you kind of, I mean, I want to see Anthony and I want to see AD and Zion. I feel like every every basketball fan wants to see that. Um, but I just wonder because I didn't even think about um, trading, you know, Davis now. That would be interesting. I mean, if you think about it, like, what if they got the two Duke guys? I mean, what if they got you know Zion and RJ Barrett? For you know, yeah. as building blocks, that's also really enticing for the next ten years to say, "Hey, we got you know two potential number one picks in the same draft." I mean, that's that's also crazy right. to think about. Right. And I think the Pelicans, the, the best position for a franchise to have flexibility to make their to have a like real flexibility and real tools to make their uh, organization better, and that's what the Pelicans are right now. And so, 
it's up to the new GM, Dave Griffin, who I think is one of the uh, brighter um, front office guys in the league. I do too. Um, he needs to have a yeah, he needs to have a really strong conversation with AD where he can get a clear intention. Right. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing where you bring him in next week and just say like, where, "What do you what, want?" Be? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because if we're gonna trade you, we want to do this sooner while we know we can control this versus. You know, because I think what they would or what Griffin would probably hate was for them to try it out and Davis to be like, oh, I'm not really feeling it. And then they don't have any left. And he walks for free. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that would be like the nightmare, the nightmare scenario. So they kind of have to make a, a decision very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's a, they, I mean, they just have good choices. And, um, yeah, that's just really good for them. So, wow. No, nah, yeah, that's crazy. Once I, once I, with when the possibility came into my head of the Lakers getting the number one pick, I was the internet would have exploded. Twitter would have shut oh down. <laughs> yeah, and they had a chance to do it, right? Like I think that as I was looking out, as I was looking at the draft, and um, you think about the biggest winners of this of this night. Um, obviously, the Lakers have to be yeah um, a part of that list, right? Because they their odds were at one percent, I believe. Yeah, they were at like and yeah, them, one or two. But in the reach the top four, um, which gives them the opportunity to either draft a high a high player at the fourth spot or trade it for Anthony Davis. It's a win win. Um, it's a good night for them. Um, but if they had gotten number one overall, could you imagine just the idea of LeBron and uh, Zion Williamson on the same franchise, on the same roster? That would be insane. The and al- they have a break. The alley oops. I just can't. Even imagine. <laughs> I mean, that would be insane. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's definitely something to keep out for. I'm sure we'll hear a lot of rumors about that. Um, yeah. As a Philadelphia Sixers fan, do you have any? Do you want to talk about your Sixers series loss, or you want to just kind of breeze right through that? I'm gonna let you dictate that. I know it's. I know the wound is still fresh. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, um, I, as a Sixers fan, I I have had to stay off of Instagram. I've had to try to avoid all of the House of Highlights, Sports Center, um, Bleacher Report, Instagram posts that were just showing Kawhi Leonard's shots for the last three days on a loop. Right. Um, I still, I think, I think the night of that of that game, I might have uh, seen that shot in my sleep <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that night, and it, it, it just it, it hurt. But it's just one of those games where. You know, it's the game of basketball is the game of, of shot. You know, it's yeah. about big to misses. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they go they don't they don't they don't fall. And sometimes and you just get lucky. Shot it, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sometimes you just get lucky. Like you could argue that Kawhi, um, I might sound like Paul George here, but <laughs> Kawhi didn't take a good shot, right? Like he's right, running no. to the, run the corner, he had two defenders on him and beat in front of him, throwing his body at him and and, and B was playing over. good and B was playing good D. It was good defense, right? Like it was, it was actually that actually wasn't a great shot compared to what Dame did to Paul George. But I completely agree. Went in and, and the way it went in was also like pretty hurtful too. I mean, <laughs> he shoots it, it hits the, it hits the rim, and then it bounces four more times. Not even that. It hits in. it hits the front of the rim. I've never seen a shot yeah. hit the front of the rim and go backwards. He <laughs> stay back right, and then fall backwards, and then bounce on the rim four more times. And then fall in, just just insane. And the funny thing is, is like, um, just like as I was saying earlier, it's the game of makes and misses. And um, eighteen years ago, in two thousand one, when the Sixers in Toronto 
faced off in Game Seven in the semi in the conference semifinals. Um, Vince Carter had a similar shot oh, where yeah. he was he was shooting a game winner. Tyrone Hill jumped in front of his face. He did a pump fake, and he had a clean look at the basket, and the ball just rattled out. <laughs> so it's so interesting, like just wow, like you know, like um, eighteen years ago he missed. The Raptors player misses that shot, but this year Kawhi makes it, and it's just like it's, it's just beautiful drama. Yeah, um, I mean, it's still hurt, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually really interesting because I think you know, I think we always overreact to you know a series loss, especially ones that go seven games. Like the Sixers could have easily yeah. won that game, but I think yeah. now, and you're from Philly, so I think you know, and you still live there, so I think you. What are people kind of saying about? the team and be your free agents. Cause I think the Sixers are in a really good spot. I know they have kind of some hard choices to make. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, there's always the kind of thing of like, okay, can Ben Simmons actually shoot? Will he learn yeah. to shoot? Will Embiid be able to, you know, play 70 games and, <laughs> but I overall feel pretty good about the Sixers. How do you, what's like the, how do you feel? And then what's like kind of the pulse of the, of the city? So I'll say, so first, if I'm, I'm staying on the, on the actual series, right? A lot of folks thought, like, the series was lost when um, Embiid got sick before game four. Right. And at that time, we had a 2-1 lead in Philadelphia. And all we had to do was win that game, and we felt like the, the series would have been ours. Right. And so when Embiid gets, he, he, he texted he text, uh, Brett Brown, him right before game four, and tells him he's not feeling well. Fans are just like, what now? Like, it's always the what now with Joel and B. One day he's sore and he can't play. Another day he's sick. He has, um, well, you know, I think it was uh, last series we had, this, he had stomach issues. This series, this series he had flu-like symptoms. And it's just like, what now, right? Right. Um, so that, that series felt like it was a loss. It was at least a lost opportunity in game four. Whereas when we got to game seven, we knew that it's hard to win the game on the road. Yeah. Um, especially game seven on the road. And so, you know, even the fact that the team had battled that hard and players play hard, Brown coached pretty well. Um, fans, fans are hurt by the loss, but they're also pretty encouraged by how the team was able to uh, still compete at a high level. So, you know, as we're looking forward to uh, this offseason and the future of the Sixers franchise, I think contrary to a lot of the folks who are um, sports pundits on Twitter and, um, some of the take artists that you might hear on ESPN and, <laughs> right. and Fox Sports, fans actually feel pretty encouraged by the future of the team. Right? I, I, would, I would is, too. I would yeah, too. I think part of yeah, part of it is just also understanding that this team, this organization, um, more than anything, needs stability, right? Yeah. Um, the Sixers starting five this, in the playoffs. We're talking about Joel Embiid. Um, the iteration of lineup that includes Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, J.J. Reddick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, that roster, that 35, only played 24 total games together. And that's, that's and, 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 regular season. And playoffs, and playoffs. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so they were kind of gaining chemistry, learning how to uh, play off of each other, learning the system on the fly. And doing it pretty well, right? For a team that had not logged too many minutes together. And so just seeing that was encouraging because it makes you think, so imagine if they can do that. They can do that that well in just twenty-four games. If we keep this roster or a portion of this roster together, along with our coach Brett Brown, for an entire season and an entire playoff run, 
think the ceilings for that for the team would be much higher. You know what I mean? No, I I'm, think that next yeah. year that place is just in a position to have title hopes. That's what a lot of fans are thinking right now. That's good because I I was afraid that they were going to make a rash decision, but I think, like you said, yeah. I think that. You know, and I think you know this. I think you know in your heart of hearts. If Embiid plays every game, the Sixers yep. win the series. That's right. <laughs> if he doesn't miss a game, if he's healthy, granted, like a part of you know being a superstar is you know being on the court. But yeah, you know, if he doesn't miss a single game, the Sixers were incredible when he played. They just sucked when he didn't. <laughs> you know. Yeah, when he wasn't when he wasn't a hundred percent, or when he. You know, he's sick or under the weather or he's sore. Like, if we find a way to alleviate those, that likelihood for him, um, this team can go really, really far. And I think that part of it is, just like, there's also this new, um, there's like this new revelation around Joel Embiid is he needs to, he personally needs to work on his personal diet, his personal conditioning. Yeah, he looked, sure that yeah he, looked at, he looked out of shape. <laughs> Yeah, yeah he, he's been out of shape. He looks heavier than he needs to be, but also he looks tired. And I know he's a big guy, you know, and he plays hard. But if you if you, if you watch Game Seven, he was even from the beginning of the you know the end of the first quarter. He's he already he's you know, leaning over. You know what I mean? And he played and he and he played forty five minutes in that game. Right. Um. I mean, I think. So, which is, yeah. No, I think the way I've described it was that. You know, and and B's like a really athletic guy. Like he runs smooth. He's like yeah. he's yeah. he's he's graceful when he's like you know running. But I think like there's a difference between looking at him play and someone like Jokic, who's like just slow. Like Jokic right. might be tired, but he doesn't look like he's gassed because he's no. like he's more in like game shape. And B's a spectacular athlete. It just doesn't look like that next level of game shape isn't yeah. there. And I think a part of it, like you said, is because, you know, when you're dealing with knee problems, you can't train that hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so I think that'll, be, I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. And I think it's easy to, there's some things that he can learn from a guy like Jokic, where, like, Jokic, even though he's not, like, the biggest, or, you know, like, the, the most fit guy, he plays a game that's not above the rim. Where he's able to play off double teams, he's able to keep his shoulders high and his eyes high, looking across, you know, surveying, surveying the court, so he can pass the ball and, you know, kind of be um, a a um, kind of like a, a quarterback for the offense. You know? Right, and he never and, seems like he's in um, a rush. He's always at his own pace. Right. Yeah, so I think that if B can like learn that when when the game kind of slows down and when his you know his stamina is kind of waning. Yeah. How can you still be effective on the court on both sides of the ball? And I think that one way to do that is also knowing how to pass off a double team, learning right. how to bring bring people in and, and stuff like that. So you got to remember, and he's 24 years old. This is only his second full season playing, right. um, yeah. and so he still had a he still has a lot of ways to go. Um, but I'm still encouraged by by how these guys have grown over the last few years or so. That's good. Good. Um, yeah. So now I guess we can get into the series that is on right now. The less yeah. interesting of the two, I think personally, that I think you'll agree. Um, I agree. <laughs> so that's Golden State versus Portland. First off, what is what's your what's your prediction? Because we have we haven't even talked about what our predictions are yet. Yeah, clear prediction. Uh, I think at, at, at best, the most competitive series you could have, the most competitive for this series, I think that I have the Warriors in six. Um. 
because I think that um, the, the, the Blazers have been battle-tested all throughout this, this postseason. They played a, a really um, strong OKC team with two talented uh, superstars in Russell Westbrook and Paul George. It's a very emotional theory. Mm-hmm. Um, that they overcame and played pretty well. Um, and Dame and PJ were, have just been playing on a tear um, the last few weeks or so, and that's been encouraging. And then he went on and um, had another just emotional, battle-tested uh, seven-game series against Denver when they won in Denver. Which is crazy, uh, yeah. Scoring 37 points, <laughs> you know, in, in the final game. And um, coming back, I think they were down 17 in that game as well. Yeah, they were. So, so the Blazers have a lot to be confident about. You know, they can they can, they can, can really look back on film and look back on this, on this playoff so far and see how they... Um, adjusted well to adversity. But I also think that the Warriors right now, even without KD, are playing, even, I think now that they're, now that KD is out, they're playing basketball to the level of, um, but they're out to prove themselves again. You know, they're hungry again to show that, like, you know, even without KD, they're one of the best players, top three best players in the NBA. We still can be the championship team that we were in 2015 and at the level we were in 2016. And that hunger, that Golden State has right now, you can see it in Steph Curry, you can see it in Clay Thompson, you can see it in Andre Iguodala, you see it in Draymond Green. It's going to carry it over, and I think that they may overcome uh, a pretty good Lakers team. Yeah, I wanted, I really wanted to say Warriors in five, but then once I realized that KD is going to be out at least two games, I feel like Portland will get one on the road, and I'll, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go Warriors in six. They'll win one on the road. And they're going to get one at home. I feel like you can't – they're too good at home. I, I don't know. I just feel like – I feel like they might get two, but I still just feel like it's not going to be close. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Just because I feel like the interesting part of it is that – and I think, you know, even though Dame had to guard Russ in the first series and had to kind of work on uh-huh. defense, it's a – I mean, you know this. There's a different level of stress when you're guarding against Russ and when you're guarding against Curry. Like, you just – you can't – you can't relax. No. So Not at I, any point in the court. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. feel like both CJ and Dame won't be able to just kind of, like, chill on defense like Curry mm-hmm. will on the other end. Like, Curry will just be like, okay, I'll guard Mo Harkless. He's not going to kill me. <laughs> right. So, I I'm feel like... I'm wondering where... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering where Portland can get a consistent third score from. Um... Yeah. I think had, has had a good playoff has had a good playoff so far. And he may actually be pretty effective um, in this series now that, you know, Boogie Cousins, of course, is out. Yeah. And he may be facing Kevin Looney and Andrew Bolton. So he may be a factor. But also, like, will Evan Turner be able to, to score, you know, 10 to 14 points a game on more hustlers? And I just haven't seen that throughout the playoffs. And I think it's been able, like, they've been able to have the Dame, the Dame and TJ show kind of carry them. But I think, Against the a team like the Warriors, they would need a consistent third option, especially if KD returns in, in the middle of the series. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Especially if KD returns. Right, and I think it's interesting about Canner because I thought about this because he's been real, he's been amazing this playoffs. But I just feel like yeah. as much as he scores on offense, which he will, because the Warriors are going to go small. I just feel like they're going to go at him on defense. They're going to be like, oh, you're on the floor? Okay, whoever's guarding him, bring your man to me. <laughs> let's, just run, right. let's just run him in circles. So I feel That's like right. I wonder if the Blazers will just say, like, we can't 
have you on the floor at a certain time. You know, like it's the kind of thing of where in crunch time, like, can you have a guy who's, I mean, I know you, you know this, you know, you're a Sixers fan. Like if you have a guy who either can't shoot or can't defend at a certain point, when it comes down to it, you just can't have a guy who's a liability out there. That's right. Especially if you have to defend a small ball lineup where Draymond Green playing the, playing the five and Iguodala playing he's a small forward or Jordan Bell coming in or another smaller guy is, uh, playing around the perimeter. Right. And his candidate may not be able to get out there and, and be effective defensively. So right. it'll be interesting to see to see how uh, the Warriors did kind of strategize around the size of, of within this series. But I think we'll know, we should know, um, you know, what the advantages are by game three or four. I think so too. And yeah. for, and a part of me is actually glad KD's not going to be there for the first couple games. Because <laughs> if he <Yeah>. was, <laughs> if he was, I would definitely go Portland in five, and that's just out of respect for CJ and Dame. Because I feel right, like you get a <laughs> right. Because if Durant's there, and Portland's been really good, I just don't see any way in hell they can make it close. If if KD was healthy, that's yeah, that's scary. Um, yeah. Any any kind of final final thoughts on the series? Any kind of big predictions you're looking at, or or just Warriors going to the finals yet again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's funny how they're, they've been playing up the uh, the Curry matchup in the in the playoffs. Yeah, but I really wonder if uh, if that the younger brother is even going to be able to log probably minutes to make it an actual like Curry versus Curry series. Um, it looks like he's getting some some minutes uh, early in the second, early in the first quarter. Oh but yeah, he's playing right I mean, now. I just, <laughs> I just wonder like if that'll actually be some sort of a duel. And they're guarding um, each other. And they're guarding each other, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Which is gonna be funny, and I noticed that the parents are gonna split um, who they're rooting, who will be rooting for. I saw um, that. Game. So I think I think Dale Curry's rooting, or he's wearing a Warriors jersey tonight, where the mother is wearing um, a, a Blazers jersey. So that's that's a funny story, uh, just to follow through the series. And Seth is guarding Steph Curry. That's not gonna go well. So shout out to that Warriors. I don't think so either. <laughs> Warriors in two. I, I, ch- I changed my I prediction. I wonder if the big brother may uh, try not to uh, embarrass the, the little brother too much. You know, what, you know what he should do? He should just post him up first possession. <laughs> oh, like 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 on the like in the driveway. You know? Right? Like, yeah, like like, him, like you are li- like you are literally just too small. You can't guard. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, it'll be funny. It'll, it'll be interesting to, to follow that uh, little battle throughout uh, the series. That will be. So now on to the second series, which I think is going to be really fascinating. Toronto, Milwaukee. I have struggled with just even picking this series. I've like flip-flopped all day. CJ, who do you you have? So as far as right now, I'm going with the Bucks and Seven. Ooh, okay. Which which to me is not really a a bold prediction. You're picking the home team to win... Uh, the final game of the series, right? Uh, which which is a high percentage prediction, but I, I think that um, I think the series. What I'm saying is the series will be really, really close. I think where, so too. Um, where Giannis has been having an awesome playoffs all all year, all, just just the last two weeks he's been dominating. Um, as well as the Bucks have just been executing on high level. A high level uh, ball club playoff. All the guys have been able to pace this place before pretty well. Chris Middleton's shown up 
um, in most key games. Eric Bledsoe has been pretty good yeah. um, all throughout, and he was able to kind of exact some revenge against the Celtics who embarrassed him last year. <laughs> right. uh, Brooke Lopez, yeah, Brooke Lopez is starting to score in Maritich is giving him quality minutes. Um, and Buda Holder has been a really solid coach. I, I think he's been the real MVP yeah. um, of the Bucks this year. Like, he's been the key difference. Um, but also, on the Raptors' side, like, Kawhi Leonard has been indestructible all, I mean, all playoffs. You right, know? And yeah. I think that part of it comes from, like, he, he was able to, to do the low-management game throughout the season, take time, rest his body, and he has just been unstoppable. Um, I'm still seeing, you know, his post-ups, his mid-range jump shots in my sleep. Uh, after watching him um, destroy my Sixers. <laughs> and I, you know, but the thing that I'm, I'm kind of cautious about is, will he be able to uh, average 35, 37 points in this series? Because if he doesn't, because he, he basically carried the Raptors in the Sixers series. The Raptors oh, yeah, he player, got, yeah. If, um, if he wasn't going, yeah. even if he was, like, averaging 30, they're not winning that series. Yeah, even if he averaged 30 or 28 points, I think that that would have been a decisive difference um, in favor of my Sixers. And so if the Bucks can find, find a way to corral him, send out double teams, and keep him under 35, or even do his best to keep him under 30, then they'll be in good, they'll be in, I think they'll be a, a short series of seven. But also, I think that the Raptors have some really good defenders who can um, give problems to Chris Middleton. I think Kawhi Leonard may have to defend Chris Middleton and um, or Eric Bledsoe has to find a way to shut one of those guys down. Yeah. Um, also, Serge Ibaka and Siakam have the length and the size as well as the defensive capability to, um, to kind of corral Giannis as well. Um, At least make him work. I am too, because I was just trying to think about it. I was like, okay... If you have Giannis and you say, okay, we're going to mainly guard you with Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam, that's like as good as two defenders as you can like think of. They're both really yeah. long. They're both really smart. They can both move their feet. Yeah. And they're just going to make him work. But then at the same time, and I think also another interesting subplot, and I think you know this as a Sixers fan, considering, you know, in the fourth, you almost had three 24-second violations. The Raptors are really good on defense. <laughs> They are. They're if they like really want to, they can really get it moving. Like they have long athletes, like you said, and one they're smart. So I think it's going to be interesting just to kind of see how. And one thing I'm really interested to see is how often Giannis and Kawhi guard each other. Yeah, because I feel like yeah. that that's just like two what two top three players right now just dueling it out possession after possession. Like that's just going to be crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's a three top two. They're, they're the top two guys playing the best basketball in this playoffs right now. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that'll be nice. That'll, that'll be a nice. Uh, I think we'll call it a battle for for the Heat. Yeah. Um, that LeBron has has felt left. So we don't know how long Kawhi will 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 be on the side of the of the country or the that, side of the. That is very true. But the interesting yeah. thing I just thought about is that if. Kind of like you said, like if I'm coaching this series and I say, okay, we're going to have Giannis and Kawhi guard each other. If I'm the Bucks, I'm happy with that because I'm like, okay, Giannis is going to make Kawhi work. Somebody else uh-huh. beat us, right? And like you know, the Bucks can the Bucks have other guys who can score. Like you said, their offense, like they just throw it around. Bledsoe will get in the lane. Malcolm Brogdon's back. He can hit some shots. Middleton can get thirty. Brook Lopez, Miritich. 
if I'm George Hill. Right, George Hill. If I'm the Bucks, I'm just kind of saying like, okay, make Kawhi get a hard 30, force Kyle Lowry to somehow pull 25 points out of his ass. You know? <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah, and I just don't see that happening. I think Kyle Lowry, I think he knows that he's, he's seen his best days uh, <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Former Philly guy. Come on, man. Went to Villanova. I know. He's a Philly guy. I'm, I'm a Philly support Philly guy. But I got a, I got a, I got a call. I got to see it, and uh, I think Kawhi. I mean, I think Kyle Lowry brings. People say he brings like pretty, pretty good intangibles. You know, he's had some playoff experiences. Ones that weren't great, right? Um, but he, he's at the point now where he knows how to uh, play a game where he's drawing fouls. You know, taking charges. Yeah, he's um, he's he's like the but, Alex Smith of point guards. Just manage the game. Yeah, don't ruin it. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. And it's unlikely that he'll win a game for you. But he's not um, going to lose it for you at the same time. Yeah, true. That's also true. And also, I think that Tom Siakam, when I watched him in that series, he, he started off really well. His first two games of the, of the, season, of the series in Toronto were really strong. Then he got but hurt. That, you know, yeah. on the on the road, on the road, he wasn't um, as confident of a shooter. And in Game Seven, he like he was kind of afraid of the moment. Yeah, it looked um, it looked like it. Yeah, it looked like he had the world yeah. on his shoulders. <laughs> You know, I, I think he's a good player. I think he, he he's, he's growing. He's the most improved player of the of the NBA season. But you know, as as you continue on through the playoffs, it takes it higher the pressure amount. And um, I'm not sure if he'll be able to come through. And I think Kawhi's going to need some help in this series. And I just I'm just, I'm just not it's just not clear where that help will come from. I think that the Raptors have a deep bench for the for the regular season, but um. In the playoffs, like you just need, yeah, you just need really, dudes. Yeah, they haven't really, they haven't really shown themselves to be um, great, great winners who can contribute to um, Kawhi's uh, output. So it'll be interesting to see um, who can help be consistent, be a consistent scorer for the even have to contend to. Yeah, I'm with you. If Pascal Siakam doesn't have like, a, he has to prove why he's like. You know, a borderline. If he can play to that level, kind of like how he did those first two games, then this will be yeah. a real series. But if not, like you said, I think you know the Sixers kind of exposed that. Hey, outside of Kawhi, none of these guys really fear you, or at least putting the ball in the basket. Right. And I think people sleep. Like the Bucks are, the Raptors are good defensively. The Bucks, when they want to be, are you know terrifying defensively. That's true. Yeah. Cause, and, you know, you got yeah, a six that, foot eleven Greek guy with you know giant hands running around. That's not that's not fun. Who can find themselves anywhere in the court in, in a split second? Basically, like I mean, yeah, I mean, he just might. It would be funny. A, a part of my dream, and this is so sad to say, but I kind of want Giannis to guard Lowry at like the opening tip, and I just want to see what Kyle Lowry does. I think that would like just psych him out. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like I think he would be the first NBA player to just actually have like negative points. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I am. Um, yeah, I also think that I think that there's a coaching advantage that I've seen so far. I think Budenholzer is the better actor than those guy. I think he is too. Nick Nurse. Yeah. Um. Uh, Nick Nurse in the last series, I think that he got saved by some of this great historic moment. Um, by Kawhi. But I didn't. I didn't see many adjustments that gave the Raptors a significant advantage. I, I guess I'll give him one, which was um, inserting, um, inserting Serge Ibaka into the starting lineup. 
and right. sitting Grim on Green and James Stedman, which yeah. helped them get a rebound advantage over the Sixers and provided second chance points. I wonder if they'll continue with that in this series. I think they might have to. I think they um, might too. They might have to, but also that that means that Serge has to be able to get out to the perimeter because the, the Bucks are going to play pace and space um, a lot this series. So it should be a lot of fun. It's, so I, I think fun. it will be. I think by by like the first six minutes of game one, we'll know a lot of how this is going to go. And then, like you said, it's just a battle of adjustments. So by the way, oh, and I also have the Bucks in seven. I've been flip-flopping all day, but I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I got Bucks in seven. So then I'm going to have someone else on the podcast for the finals. That means that who for the finals do you, will you have? Then we're going to go real, real way ahead of the future. If you have the Warriors and Bucks, who would you have in that? So I'm going to choose between the Warriors and the Bucks in the finals. Yeah, I think that's Man. really close, personally. <laughs> I think I actually I do too, um, because of the the Warriors. Well, I think because of the Bucks' ability to, to defend well, yeah, and yeah. Um, they've proven themselves to be able to score uh, points at a, at a high rate. Um, it'll also be interesting to see how healthy Kevin Durant is. Right. Like, that, one thing about being able to return to a lineup and like feeling good enough to play. But also, like, how good can he go? Like, how hard can he go? Especially in the um, finals, because that's just a different... I think people don't understand. Like, that's... that yeah. It just looks intense watching it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it looks every like if you're... Is, yeah, every possession yeah. matters. <laughs> it seems like every final every final game is treated like a regular season or, or a playoff season like Game 7. Like, every, right. every play matters. Every time out matters. You know, every foul is counted. Every shot that you that you take or defend is, is uh, feels major, so um, that'll be interesting. But I also think that just the Warriors' experience—I mean, over this four or five year run—I mean, they have seen everything, right? Um, yeah. Good and bad, and so like, there's there's not much that can rattle them. Um, besides, like I guess just the, the massive strength and and will of the Greek freak Giannis. I'm with you. I would my gut. I a part of me wants to pick the Bucks, but I. I mean, it's the Warriors. I feel like you just can't. It's kind of like LeBron in the East. You just pick him until someone beats him, and it turned out no one actually did. He just left the conference. No one can do it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just. You know, we kind of have fun with this thing. We try to make big guesses. You know, try to give you a cold prediction because it's fun. But in reality, I, I just don't. I. I, I just can't see a team overcoming the Warriors in seven. Right. Um, I think, like, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, in in the NBA, if you really think about it, how many players, like, really matter? What, like, seven? Six? About seven, maybe even less. <laughs> and that's right? being generous. <laughs> like, you, like yeah. if you literally said four, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and it yeah. just turns out like, the Warriors have two of those players. <laughs> two of those players, right. That's the thing, yeah, so... Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that it'll actually be a pretty competitive series. I do too. Um, Cause the Warriors, the Warriors have been vulnerable. I think people kind of sleep on that. Like they haven't looked as crisp. Their bench isn't as good. Like if you hit them in the mouth, yeah. you can, you can get to them. I mean, the Clippers took them six. The Clippers are good. They're not that good. <laughs> right. Like, but I also think that like, I think that KD going down has given them just a new sense of, um, confidence is your new sense of, you know, urgency and togetherness that they haven't had to kind of dig into or tap into yeah. um, in a while. So, I mean, even though the, even, well, it's interesting because even though the Warriors did beat the Rockets 
in game six in Houston, um, it's still not clear how good they'll be without KD. I'm, right? I like, completely agree. I think it's. I think we don't know how yeah. good they are until they lose, and then yeah, gotta, it gets tight. Yeah. And then they're like, "Wait a minute! Only two of these guys are really good: Clay and Steph. Forget the rest of yeah. the guys. <laughs> like Draymond's great. He can't shoot. Leave him open. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, when you have like the, you have the time to actually build a game plan around the color roster that doesn't include Kevin Durant, then I think that there could be some advantages there. But right. there's also this looming question of like when will Kevin Durant return, which is which could be in the middle of the series, Game Four, Game Five, or wherever he feel like they may need him. Right. Um, so yeah, the Warriors have to be mindful of their own vulnerability, but also um, teams also have to understand that like what you have now may not be the same in about a week or so when when KD returns. That's a great way to end it. I'm gonna let you go. Um, how how do you feel about the upcoming Eagle season? I feel like you're very high on it. I'll let you finish. Oh, we're about the that. Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know, I just I just had to let you get that off before we go. So in, in my in my friend group, and as we're talking about you know football, you know it, it's May right now. The draft just happened. Um, OTAs are going on. You know nothing major is going. I think that the Eagles will be back in the Super Bowl <laughs> next year. I believe it. I think that this team has been able to uh, maintain a core. Offensively and defensively, they brought back uh, Brandon Graham. Malcolm Jenkins is here. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox is still going to be healthy. Um, I think that our secondary, which has been hobbled all last season, I was about to uh, say they were, they, they were basically starting you and me at slot corner last year. Yeah, they were starting you, I, and somebody on Broad Street Philadelphia uh, in the secondary last year. And still were able to um, had a good. It still had a good defense. <laughs> Good running back. Um, he should be able to think about how he can be the best quarterback possible 
And I think if, if that goes well with the weapons that we've added for him, the support that we've given to him, as well as like, the vote of confidence that Slayer has uh, provided to him, I think that the Eagles should have a really, really, really good season next year. And I believe that we'll be back to the Super Bowl. I mean, down here. I'm with you on that. I think people often forget like when when someone doesn't do it's kind of like Kawhi like people forgot how good Kawhi was just because he didn't play for a year and right. you know what was Carson Wentz like the best quarterback in the or top three quarterback two years ago he <laughs> was <laughs> I mean had he, had he not gone down in that injury um he would have been the MVP the MVP yeah he was, he was going to be the MVP so we can't forget about that um but he also understands that he has to understand that like that was two years ago. So this yeah. week that shows you, like, what, what have you done for me lately? Um, so he has to do something for it uh, now. And just to think about it, it could always be worse because we, you, you could be a, a Giants fan, and I will end I on could. that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Christopher Johnson, really appreciate you having you on. We're definitely going to chop it up so we can talk about, um, or so you can talk about, because I know you d- go deep into this. So next time you know about the backup Eagles uh, slot corner, I'm sure you probably have the full scouting report about his hips, his turn, his hands, and all. Oh of yeah, that. I, I'll, I'll have I'll have all the all the scouting information uh, for you. But uh, no, it's been we get to talk to you. Thanks for having me on, and uh, uh, we'll see how this. Uh, Playoff series continue. Of course, of course, appreciate it, man.